Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border, are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bogani of the Confederacy. These lands are now Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, which is Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations, the Sutina Nation, and I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status, and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. Oki, Mekoche, Chase Takom Aki, or Red Thunder Woman in Blackfoot. My deepest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I tried to learn the proper pronunciation. I honor the Blackfoot because I'm on your land. Uh, my name is Michelle Robinson. I was born in Calgary as Michelle Elliott, another very English name which has afforded me great privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am a daughter of the Mayflower, a daughter of the American Revolution, and I'm an Indian. So, I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare People, also called the Great Bear Lake People in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island. My Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Klincho Tine Indahe and Satu Dene, meaning Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical to creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest. Any mistakes or misinterpretations are on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share what I know as I walk down my red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we talk about and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at one 855 242-3310. It's toll-free and open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And for non-Indigenous, there are distress lines and suicide prevention lines in your area, too. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for already showing your support to the show. If you val value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those that cannot afford to give, but listen, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I want to give a shout out to my super loyal donors of Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Brian, Celine, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, Natalie, Nathan, Phyllis, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. I really appreciate um, every penny and just want to tell folks who have donated previously but could no longer afford to give, I appreciate it. And um, truthfully, I'm just glad you all listen. So thank you. <clears throat> so today is January 26th. And, uh, you know, I just have so much I want to talk about and I hope it all makes sense. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not rich. I don't have a lot of resources, so I don't really, um, you know, plan out exactly my what I'm going to say. I just kind of have some ideas of what I'm going to talk about, and then I just say them, and I try to do it within an hour or so because I, I know anything longer is just too loud, long. Anyway, so I hope you enjoy it. I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, 
so I, I did a presentation on the power of the land. And, uh, you know, one of my, you know, 10 listeners, they had said to me, oh, and I found out I'm supposed to call you my fam. That's the lingo, apparently, because, you know, I'm an over 40 cringy mom. So I don't know the lingo. So apparently, my listeners are called my fam, which is short for family, obviously. Let me just put these little dots together in a really cringy way, in a in a way that would make my mom or my daughter just want to like die. But for the rest of us, it's actually funny to say out loud. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just cracking myself up. Um, so I did uh, a presentation at the Women's March, The Power of the Land. I've gotten like a whole 19 views, which I'm sure the majority are my husband and I anyway. But uh I did get a, a little bit of feedback from, uh, you know, one of my one of my fam out there. So uh, Jocelyn said that was powerful. You fit it all. And thank you for doing what you do and sharing. Uh, so I hope that, you know, other people will chime in and let me know what you thought of it. Share it if you want to. Um, again, I'm just so grateful that Kent Monk's, Monkman's team and Kent himself were so kind to me to let me use some of his images and that. So um, it's out there. I tried to Google Native Calgary and the power of the land and it didn't come up. <laughs> so uh, if you if you Google um, Native Calgary and it, it's on my Patreon account, uh, easy, easy and accessible. So I hope that you can find it <laughs> to my whole four subscribers. That's my fam. So thank you for being my fam. Anyway, um, really excited to uh, to share that with you. <laughs> the comments I get, I only get a couple here and there. So yeah, thanks, fam. Um, so one of the things that are important to me, uh, if you've been listening to my show, I'm just going to assume you're not a, a regular listener. Actually, I think that's probably the best way to um, approach this because I think some people will listen one time. And then they're like, oh, yeah, no, I, I heard that podcast. So if you're listening for the first time, um, we're on episode 79. And for the last year, over year, actually, probably since the beginning of my podcast, I've been following the Wasutuan. Um, that is the in Indigenous folks that are in B.C., where there's a, a pipeline that's going through their land. And Angela Sherritt, she put out a really great video. It's a short video that really um, makes being able to say with Sutwin, um, uh, Una Stoughton, Giddendem, uh, Delgamuk, this all of these words were kind of put together and explained for folks. So if you if you haven't if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google her. She she works for uh, ABC or ABC. I can't believe I said that. Wow. Uh, I think my brain's going into dementia world. She works for the CBC, and um, she did this video. I I try to share it every so often because I I know folks struggle with the with the terminology, and uh, that's a shitty <laughs> reason to not really follow it. Anyway, anyway, so. Um, there's always questions on Twitter. Who do you follow? And the Wasutuan people are literally who I'm... I, when I say that, that actually sounds stupid. Wasutuan are people. <laughs> so I, I follow Wasutuan. And I uh, Unistoten Camp puts out tweets, as does... Uh, so a lot of people know Art Manuel because he put out some books. And his daughters are on the front lines right now and have been. 
uh, for years now, and I follow them on Twitter. And whenever they tweet, those notifications come up so that I I retweet them immediately. Anyway, one of the retweets came up with um, the Wasutuan hereditary chiefs had actually approached uh, TC about that bigger picture of rerouting the pipeline. And uh, those who do not know, I used to draft wells and pipelines, and we would change them on a whim for farmers all the time. That was not even a question. So I always wondered why didn't they just, you know, come up with alternative plans? But uh, apparently the hereditary chiefs had come up with alternative plans, which I'm not shocked and surprised that was turned down. Um, please remember that um, 100% of Indigenous lands were stolen, and by the Indian Act, which is imposed Canadian legislation, we've only been uh, so-called gifted <laughs> 2% of the land. So with that in mind, um, how interesting that the pipeline routes and that all the energy exploration, where we're talking about mines or anything else, must go through Indigenous territory. Anyway, the point is, is that... Um, you know, the Canadian media has been doing an awful job of really explaining the two sides of what uh, imposed uh, legislation of the Indian Act is compared to traditional governance. And the irony is that today that the Liberal government is trying to talk about the fact that they're trying to do um, changes back to traditional governance, but we have traditional governance in place already with the Wasutuan, and it's not being respected in any way, shape, or form. So... Anyway, anyway, um, I wish people would follow that. The RCMP are still there and gathering, and they've done a call out for us to do lots of actions, which in our last episodes we talked about. And then uh, they asked on Friday morning that we do a sunrise ceremony, which I did. Uh, I prayed for them and uh, an ongoing situation that's been happening here in Alberta, the uh, one of our missing and murdered Indigenous women, her name is um, Amber Terrico, and uh, there's been huge development in that if you're Native. But if you're non-Native, you probably haven't heard of it because the media doesn't generally cover our issues because they're racist, and that's not how colonialism works, just like the Wasutuan. They're not properly covering that story because um, that's how racism and colonialism works. Um at the end of the day with the Wasutuan, because they have legal jurisdiction, and that was already predetermined in a Supreme Court case in 97, uh, you look these things up. Um, how we're even having this discussion, how we're at this point is beyond me. Uh, the RCMP has so much scandal behind them. How anyone respects them, I don't understand. Um, here we are. Here we are as a country. And... Uh, the Wasutuan are going to be on the wrong end of a gun if these prayers and our media doesn't work. So if you're listening to me, you know, if you're one of my 10 femmes, I would love it if you could start retweeting the Wasutuan hereditary chiefs and um, Canagus Manuel, uh, the daughter of Art Manuel, because, and, and he has other daughters too, I'd love for you to retweet them, um, because it's really important that we get out their messages. Um you know, they, they're they in the right. They're, there's no question. And then morally, ethically, of course, it's wrong to be pointing fingers or guns at, um, you know, un, unarmed Indigenous mothers. <laughs> and then, you know, the media demonizing them. Um, even Jody Wilson-Raybould wrote a great piece um, about 
hereditary chiefs versus Indian Act chiefs and how the new government doesn't quite understand all of all of this. So I, it was a great piece. And I know a lot of people will attack her because they're they have inherent bias against Indigenous and Indigenous women. And then, you know, coupled with the fact that uh, if she's not, you know, towing a party line, that just opens them up to to the worst of trolls. So um, now I, I brought up uh, Amber. Uh, these are hard conversations sometimes for me to talk about because um, ultimately it just means, it just means that uh, like it, it, it hurts me because I grew up watching um, violence between my, my indigenous mom and my white father and knowing you know, how biased the system was against my mom, just simply because she was Indigenous. But that's the whole bigger picture of, um, of Canada and its, and its fight with colonialism. Um, when I was growing up, I, I watched um, many women, you know, being abused, many women uh, being murdered. There was a, a case in Sylvan Lake that really upset me. There was this trailer, white trailer parked in the RCMP parking lot. And, um, you know, her husband was never properly convicted of killing her. And uh, anyway, anyway, it's just very clear to me, you know, whether it's Greta Thunberg being attacked by, you know, old rich white men with oil money, or whether it's, you know, these same people attacking Rachel Notley for just basically existing as a woman. That bottom line of sexism and violence against women is so prevalent in Alberta. So Amber Tarko, um, she is a indigenous woman who went missing and uh she had a, a her family's worked really hard to try to you know amplify the case and amplify the issues it's already like documented in the media that the RCMP screwed up her case already and um anyway they they released an audio of uh one of her last moments with who they presume is the killer and uh you're, this is so unbelievable, but it's so true. So please believe what I'm going to say. I'm gaslighting myself and I hate that I'm doing this. But anyway, um, the family of the man in the audio have publicly spoken out and said, look, that's our our dad. That's our family member, verified by multiple uh, family members that that's who that is. So they, you know, posted pictures, they posted uh, everything and my, when I first read it, I was really like, I sure as hell hope they told Amber's family and uh, checked in on them. Sure enough, they had. Um, so that was that was like the biggest worry that I had, because I just imagine, you know, somebody else talking about, you know, a family member of mine without my consent would suck. So anyway, Amber's family knows all about it and has been aware and um, are supporting supporting this family. And uh, sure enough, you know, when I heard about it, I prayed, um, please, RCMP, don't fuck this up. But as it's come out, they've totally fucked this up, too. So apparently this man has been reaching out to the RCMP, uh, trying to tell them, like, we have information on this. They don't care. They're not investigating. They just don't. Anyway, genocide. Missing and murdered Indigenous women inquiry called it genocide. Um, if you don't believe it then this podcast is definitely not for you. But if you're like um, interested, it's free, available online. Please go read it. Um, I don't know if we're going to be solving the case because unfortunately 
the RCMP are so inept. I, they just literally can't solve anything that's so painfully obvious to the rest of the world. Uh, but that's the way colonialism works. And they were literally invented to kill indigenous people. So they're doing a, a great job of doing that. So, you know, when people say, oh, my God, I can't believe that. It's like, hmm, you should probably read a fucking book, one. But two, uh, that's how the system was designed. So I don't really have time for people's bullshit on their shock and surprise how how these things work here in Canada because it's been called out by the UN. It's been called out by numerous countries that we have the audacity to call them out on their human rights. Anyway, anyway, I do want to make it very clear to Amber's family um, that I, I'm, I'm so sorry that we cannot seem to get justice here. And uh, I, I know for me, been talking about violence against women and, and the right avenues to go down. And for those who listened to my last show where we had Shannon Foster on from Australia, you know, and she spoke about what a joke the UN is. So I don't know what the right answers are anymore. Um, I just know we're living a genocide and I can't seem to get people to understand the gravity of it and how families like Amber Terrico's, they're, they're suffering as a result. And I don't, I don't really know this family that spoke out um, ab against their father much about them, but I do know that uh, what they did was very brave. And apparently even the RCMP demonized this family, which is awful because, you know, there are so many, you know, blue, blue line bootlickers out there that are just going to toe that line rather than, you know, use their brain, use their cells, <laughs> Com comprehend the case and go you know I think the RCMP is just covering their ass but they know they can say the sky is red and people will believe them because they said it anyway really upset about that uh, the reason why I bring it up is not only is it a bigger development in the case but it's that bigger picture that I talked about with Sue Twin and the pipeline rerouting um, and I I was born and raised in Alberta I was uh second generation energy. My dad was busy building uh, Syncrude and Suncor up in Fort McMurray. Uh, my husband's father was a seismic guy, which I'm going to talk more about later. Um, you know, my husband and I have always been in the industry. We had a geomatic supply company. Like this is not somebody who has no idea what she's talking about. I know how the industry works and I know the violence against um, women and I know the violence against indigenous women and I know the genocide I'm, I'm living it and I worry every single day about my daughter's safety because of it and as a result you know um, Amber Terrico is another name that is actually really and truly on the blood of the hands of the industry here and uh, until people start to see that you know I, I don't know how to help you um, put these dots closer together you need to do some reading which I have more book recommendations as we go. So another issue that's popped up this week that's been um, incredible to see is uh, Dr. David Swan, who is a retired liberal uh, MLA. She, he, well-respected statesperson, um, you know, worked really hard with farmers about a farmer safety bill, which unfortunately um, the NDP got credit for and uh, UCP have already undone. Um, much to the chagrin of anyone who identifies as a liberal, and uh, which I do. I ran in the last election. Um, anyway, he's been trying to amplify 
the voices of the Alberta farmers. Um, you know, I've been talking about surface rights and I was in a surface rights Facebook group for a long time. There's a lot of like really racist folks in there and I had a hard time reading their stuff, but I rejoined the group in the hopes that we can start amplifying some voices, particularly a fellow named Mark Dorian, because he is constantly representing farmers who are dealing with um, oil industry issues and the oil industry here in Alberta is just running the show at the expense of Indigenous, at the expense of women, at the expense of farmers. And um, we have multi-billion dollars of, you know, abandoned well sites and abandoned pipelines that no one cares about. No one's going to clean up at this point, which is really sad and depressing. So Dr. Swan... Um, spoke out against the fact is is that the oil companies are not paying their municipal taxes uh, they're not paying the surrounding counties um, their taxes that are owed and as a result Dr. Swan said fine if you're not going to you know enforce oil companies paying taxes then I'm going to quit paying my taxes and he knows what that will result in and uh, but he's trying to make a stand he retired. Uh, he, well, okay, let's first get into a little bit about Dr. Swan. Dr. Swan was a physician and very clearly can read, uh, was able to piece together climate change is a real thing. But he took it to another level of seeing how climate change and it, particularly uh, coal production was really affecting uh, the health of, of the population. And he was very concerned as a grandfather where this was going. So he decided to run for the Alberta Liberals, and he had a wonderful career being an Alberta Liberal, talking out against, um, you know, the industry and trying to find solutions, um, well-respected in Alberta. So, you know, he he sees what's happening. He speaks out against this. And, you know, even though he's retired now, he has decided, and he, he didn't um, not get reelected. He legitimately just retired. And, uh, you know, he, he can't stand idly by and watch ridiculous policy and people basically get away with it. And, you know, one of the reasons why I'm a liberal and not an NDP is because the NDP actually, they don't do a great job of critiquing policy. They do a great job of attacking the other side, just as the other side attacks them. And in a way, I, I don't blame them because ultimately who's behind the scenes in all of the parties are, you know, poli-sci white people who have a very closed bubble of how to approach politics because that's what they teach in university. So yeah, they're playing a stupid game with, with, you know, our lives basically. And, you know, real people are dying as a result. Uh, indigenous people, it's our genocide. And those folks will never see their role in any of this. That's part of the reason why I can't stand a lot of colonial politics in general. But I try to work with what I can. And Dr. David Swan trying to shed light on the fact that oil companies are not paying their taxes, which is completely relevant, again, if we're talking about Wasutuan pipeline rerouting. We have a long case of proof here in Alberta that there's no ethical... Um, oil going from Alberta into BC. But yet the talking points you hear are the opposite. It's like, you know, Orwell's 1984. Anyway, 
A really great um, documentary that was kind of going around in our circles was, uh, it's from 2010, and it's an American documentary written and directed by Josh Fox. The It's called Gaslight, Gasland, and it's a film, it's a documentary actually, just focusing on uh, fracking. So, you know, it's really good to watch that because it really reminded me of back when I was like in my 20s of Lebo Ludwig. And Lebo Ludwig was basically these farmers then. And, you know, the oil industry demonized him. The RCMP tried to uh, plant bombs to frame him. He actually ended up being convicted of being a saboteur. And he has a really great book, uh, Saboteurs, the Lebo Ludwig's War Against Big Oil. One of my favorite books like an asshole, I gave it out to somebody and he never returned it before he moved. So I got to get my hands on this book again. But I also recommend everybody go and rent it from the library because you need to read this book. This book is about what it was like to try to fight big oil, doing exactly what happened in Gasland, what the Alberta farmers are dealing with contaminated soil now and not getting any compensation and all these abandoned wells and pipelines being stuck in the ground and no energy company is paying their freaking taxes. Like multi-billion dollars, we are going to be left with cleaning all of this up. And that's why I've been speaking out against it because there are ways to clean up the... um, the energy industry, but nobody wants to listen to an indigenous girl with, you know, experience like me, because that would, you know, probably make sense. And, uh, but I'm just joking. It goes against the narrative of capitalism and, you know, white men knowing everything and being able to solve their own problems, which we all know they can't. So anyway, um, really recommend that book. Something else that really um, affected me was Well, actually, it's kind of a fun story, too. We'll get to the actual point what I'm trying to make. But little fun backstory is that uh, there's there's software that lets gamers watch other gamers play. So if I'm a gamer and I'm playing a game, there's a software that allows everybody to watch what I'm doing. And then it allows me to basically talk into the computer. And there's like a, a camera on me so that you know, you become somebody that somebody wants to watch. Now, for all of us old timers, back when they had, you know, arcades, we used to all go to the arcade and watch our friends play, you know, whatever, Bobble Bobble or Pac-Man or whatever uh, game there was, or or shoot pool, like pool halls and arcades were kind of the same thing. It's like watching arcade or, or going to the arcade only online. You don't have to even leave your home now. So some of these gamers have become like big deals. And, um, You know, some of them have no political messages whatsoever, but some are really in tune and, uh, you know, completely disassociated with us older people, uh, mainstream media, all of it. They just completely rejected the system because the system screwed. They're smart enough because they can read. They know the system's rigged. So they've just complete, uh, I guess, created their own world. And um, anyway, one of the folks who's actually more my age, but just she's really in tune with with what's going on in the world. um, She's been trying to amplify the voice of the Wisutuan. And uh, 
we cross paths on Twitter. Thank God she's on Twitter. Otherwise, some old person like me would never know. As a result of meeting this person, and, and I, I think I just misgendered. I, I'm pretty sure they use they, them. So if I had said her or she, I, I apologize. I'm going to try to use they and them from now on. This person, uh, amazing person. I don't, I don't really know their name. Um, it's like Loxie Blix on Twitter, like their Twitter and uh, and and in their their Twitch and and they're local Calgarian. They have uh, really cool uh, green hair and you know just a, just a fun person all together. And I really liked their messages that they were putting out there and that we were really on the same page. So this person helped me with you know figuring out all these different softwares like Twitcher or something. I can't remember. And I got on this Discord and all of these things as a result of this one person. And I was able to be on their live stream. So what happens is that, you know, they're gaming away and they're talking to the computer, but there's like sidebars where people can comment and do all these things. So I was kind of having that conversation with them and they were like, here's discourse. So I loaded it up on my computer or my, my phone and uh, my phone's a computer, right? I'm really cringy mommy at uh, this time, I know. But I'm trying to explain it to any other people who have no clue what I'm talking about. So load it up and I'm on this conversation. And they they made this group chat so that we were talking, not just with um, them and me, but with like, uh, for those who do not know, DJ Indian, Ian, he was on there. There was uh, a black activist that was on there. There was a person from uh, Hawaii. There was a person from Colombia. Like we were all having a group talk. It was a wonderful three hours. Like I wanted to stay on forever, but I was going to fall asleep. Anyway, um, really loved this conversation. So if uh, you get a chance to go through their archives, like you can listen to this conversation and how impactful it was. But there were, I, I just, I'm going to give a shout out specifically to DJ Indian, Ian Campano, because uh, and those who do not know him, he is the co-founder and former member of the uh, Tribe Called Red. So he kind of said something offhand and I can't quit thinking about it. It's been what, a week and a half, maybe two weeks since we were all together. And um, he actually said, well, what a lot of non-Indigenous don't realize is that like we are actually living post-apocalyptic uh, times as Indigenous people. And I, I heard him say that. And I, I've been processing that and processing that because uh, I don't, <laughs> you know, I know he's right. I know he's 100% right. And I, I just... I can't believe something that was so obvious I never seen before. Um, it's so clear. Like our elders like talked about this becoming a thing, how bad things were going to get. They talked about it. And we always talk about an apocalypse in white terms because like the base of it comes from like Jewish Christian um, ideas, right? And they're always wrapped around the Bible. But, you know, the truth is that if you really think about what an apocalypse is, that is what we're living. We are in the, we're, we're in a genocide. Like, we're, it's not something that's ending. It's the opposite where, you know, there's so few of us. We, we're not really on any of the stats. Um, 
you know, for me, every day is a survival. When I talk about being privileged, I mean, I, I use that in a tongue in cheek way, but I don't, I don't know if people get that. Um, anyway, here we are, you know, after an apocalypse and that's really been like hitting me. So like I Googled it and, uh, kind of reading through some of the definitions and, you know, then, then the cinnamons, uh, cinnamons of, of like, you know, destroying, demolishing, annihilate, you know, sacrifice, um, in all of these words that were like, whoa, this is what's happened to our people. When you think of the, you know, germ warfare of the, the small talk, smallpox and killing all of the buffalo to kill a people, um, destroying all of that. I, 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 it's so funny. It's so obvious, but it, as in front of me as it is, I don't see it that way. Despite the fact I'm literally talking about how big oil is killing our land, you know, um, killing indigenous women, like it's all interconnected. And, and I talk about genocide all the time, but I've never used the term apocalypse or post-apocalyptic times. So I just got to give a shout out to Ian for a, like just the hugest thank you. It's such a, it's, it's not just powerful, it's the truth. And it's so weird how even me, like helping me decolonize and, and that being such a, you know, there's so much gravity to that term. And I hope that other people see that. So I don't know. I'd love to hear your feedback on that. Um, anyway, <sighs> Indian status. So I still got to, I can't believe how many like documents they need. They should just go, Michelle Robinson's had a daughter, that child this is their number should be that simple nope it's not that simple so I'm going through that crap anyway which brings me to our book club we just had our book club and our book club uh had call to action 57 and again I'm just going to assume you've never listened to my show this is your first time listening or maybe you need a refresher but call to action 57 is absolutely my favorite call to action because I think it's the root of all the other 90. So there's 94. So the other 93, like this is the root. You need this one implemented first. And it's the um, education, Indigenous education for public servants and anti-racism training. And um, and I, I still I still struggle with how people don't see one their role in this. And how governments are so behind the eight ball on this. Like, so like we have the RCMP that completely inept. Like I, I'm like the only person in Canada, I think that would be happy as, as pie if we completely dismantled it. Um, and, and, and like, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. There's books by former female uh, RCMP members that have talked about the rampant sexism and abuse that happened within that organization and really nothing is getting done about it. And I mean, Indigenous have multiple reports, multiple, multiple reports, and um, nothing is getting done about that. And I, I just, I don't understand that. I, I just don't. I don't understand how more people don't see their role in all of this. So like, and I'm going to give you an example. So um, if you just Google, you know, 57, there's this article posted by Jamie Cooper in February 2nd, 2018. In 2015, the TRC released their 94 calls to action. Um, 
Premier Rachel Notley committed to implementing the goals of the United Nations Declaration on Rights of Indigenous uh, People right after the TRC report came out. In March of 2016, Premier Notley approved mandatory training to public servants as per TRC Call to Action 57, directed at governments to provide education to public servant members on the history of Indigenous peoples. Notley promised a multi-departmental task force to research and work with Indigenous people and implement training for public servants. Uh, Government departments prior to the incoming training could offer their own training on Indigenous history and issues. This new program was to be designed to meet the TRC call to action requirements of including the history and legacy of residential schools, Indigenous law, and provisions on the uh, Aboriginal Crown relations. According to the TRC website, which tracks the actions taken by the government, only the City of Brampton, the Ontario Public Service, and Vancouver Board of Parks and Recreation have taken any concrete action that um, is a direct response to call to action. So, oh, and the City of Winnipeg has implemented a two-day training course for its public servant members at the federal government offered one-day training in November. Alberta training program is to be released and developed spring of 2018. And this was a blog written by uh, Rights Watch student. Uh, Views do not necessarily reflect the uh, view of CCLA or PBSC. Fine. Um, Yeah, so here we are in 2020. And Jason Kenney is now the premier. And as a result, he doesn't even want to do land acknowledgements, let alone care about any of this other stuff. So here we are as uh, people. We can't seem to get anywhere with this so-called reconciliation. And, um, you know, I I deal with hate from people all the time. It's a constant daily struggle. I was on a stupid sea train the other day. And this woman just like bumped into me with her bag, didn't turn back, didn't say sorry, nothing. And it's just shocking to me how people are okay with that. And that was because I was wearing my full ribbon skirt, had my, you know, beaded earrings in, was with Indigenous men. And that really obviously bothered this white woman with her bag. And she just had to hit me on the sea train and not feel fucking bad about it at all. And that's the part. She didn't even feel bad. (laughs) The opposite. She did it on purpose. And people don't, they're, they're okay with that. And that's, that's wrong. She had more than enough room to walk around me. She chose to, to hit me with it. Um, yeah, this is where we are. So I don't understand people. I don't understand why they think we have all these rights and shit. Like I've, I'll, I paid my taxes. I uh, never got a free university education the way everybody thinks we do. Um, and in fact, the bit of drafting I did in SATE, I went into date, uh, uh, debt for, and I've been in debt my entire life since. And I'm not complaining because um, most of us all pay mortgages and that anyway. So, you know, it's kind of where we're at. But uh, at the end of the day, like, here we are. As a people, the most marginalized demographic is Indigenous women. So, well, I would argue Two-Spirit and then Indigenous women. But you can see on all the stats, we aren't given equality in any way, shape, or form. And as a result, we live in the deepest poverty. And uh, thank God I happen to have uh, 
you know, white husband who's happy as a, and I shouldn't say that he identifies as mixed, <coughs> but as a, as a society, we just accept that. And it, it pisses me off that we're still here. So, you know, we went around, we had a fairly big um, book club, which is always shocking. You know, it was cold. It was January. I, actually, the day we, we had it was a lot nicer than the cold snap we had before. It was so cold in Calgary. How cold was it? They actually didn't release the penguins at the zoo to go for a walk because it was like minus 40. And uh, so I was like, yeah, no, my daughter's not going to school if they're not going to let the penguins go out. And then I heard in uh, Edmonton, the LRT tracked, so their light rail system, one of the rails just snapped if before the morning commute. And I'm like, that's cold. So I called my parents and made them giggle with that. Anyway, <coughs> anyway, that's my view for the week so far. I have so many more things I should say, but I, I just, unfortunately can't pack it all into one podcast so that's why we do a weekly one and I can't believe where we're at we're at episode 79 so you know next next one's 80 and I never thought I would be a podcaster let alone have 79 episodes under my belt so that's a huge shout out to my husband anyway indigenous have been talking about these issues sharing our traumas in reports commissions public hearings just so it can be regularly disregarded no more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they do not recognize the marginalized in their budget with Gender Equity Plus, if they are cutting violence prevention programs and services, uh, Indigenous education, cutting uterus health choices, cutting gay-straight alliances, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to actions, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child uh, welfare reform, the violence prevention, and now the 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting, our people are experiencing not just extreme racism, but obviously a post-apocalyptic world in, and genocide in educational, health, justice institutions with multiple, multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they do not understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have no business running. Uh, this should be understood by all parties, all local politicians, community organizations, sports, etc. Great article that I said out loud in episode 62 is The Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. There's a settler book club that a friend of mine, Kat, runs on the Monday after my book club downtown at the public library. And uh, there's a, there's books on white fragility Anyway, violence is just my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinions, sure want to give us theirs, usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous um, colonialism, constant surveillance of our people, our protests, our vigils, our rights, typical microaggressions. Uh, people with internalized racism and trauma uh, who are gatekeepers, who survive off the status quo, 
you know, there, there's so much work to do. Some days it's hard to read all of this. People who are so in their trauma that they stop people from doing the good work and depleting personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. And that's why I needed this podcast as a boundary to be heard. Here we are. I hope one day my family will be proud down the road trying to discuss these present-day issues in a way that they can understand. I also want to continue by putting cultural safety into action so that you can create a safer space for Indigenous people, people of color, those with disabilities, LGBTQ2+, any marginalized group. You know, look at it as first aid for marginalized people. Um, you can Google cultural safety. You'll come up with things like, you know, do something. Having good intentions is not enough. You have to take action to make change. You have to speak out against racism. You have to ask questions. You have to find allies and create support systems for yourself that you can advocate for culturally safe approaches. You have to take responsibility for your own learning. You can read, reflect, ask questions, but don't expect all the learning to come from Indigenous people for free. Take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your own assumptions and biases. Question everything you've learned about Indigenous people and only and take steps to actively disrupt those stereotypes. Commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. And here to help.bc.ca has, uh, you know, uh, what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it section. I wanted to give them a thank you for kind of putting that out there. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous or marginalized folks experience by the structure of racism imposed on these lands. Um, so, and a policy example would be like the Indian Act or Indian Residential Schools or other land clearing policies like the PASS system. But uh, I'm actually going to talk a little more about lateral violence in my next episode. Uh, so, I'm hoping that will work out with my guest. There's another resource by Donna K. Bevins called um, What is Internalized Racism, which really talks about uh, that bigger picture of lateral violence. And, in, if, you know, bottom line is there's do's and don'ts for bystander intervention. Google it. <coughs> there's so much to talk about when it comes to that alone. And I've really covered it up to now, you know, in at least 60 episodes of it. So anyway, silence is dangerous communicates approval. If you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll free. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family roots, and stepping up to teach me to be a proud Calgarian. It's through her. I'm a proud second-generation Calgarian. Uh, I want to thank my husband for producing and editing the show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road, he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, we are blessed to learn from every day, and we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a stronger and better person. I'm just going to share a quick story. <coughs> my my daughter has a friend, and uh, her friend was saying her entire last name, and I realized 
there's a chance that we could be related when she said one of her one of the names and that this is like literally never happened to me before and I said that I said we might be related and without hesitation my daughter just high-fived her and said cousins and they just <laughs> we all giggled until until anyway my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Brian, Celine, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Kenna, Leah, uh, Marisa, Natalie, Nathan, Phyllis, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up. If you did one donation or had many and had to quit for financial reasons, please know I appreciate your support. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments or your questions. I'd love to hear what you thought of Shannon Foster. Um, you know, she's <laughs> from Australia. We had an international speaker on. We we're also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. So, you know, I just want to end with when I side-eye those Calgary rabbits, you're lucky I'm not tradish. My beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. <laughs> Thanks for listening.